You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, Bills Mafia? Fernando Shimoli here, your host of the Leading the Charge. And today I have Anthony Prohaska with me to talk some Bills training camps and especially the scrimmage happening tonight. Anthony, welcome, man. Thank you so much for, for accepting quickly the invite again and being here with us in the Leading the Charge. Welcome. The no, house thank is you. yours. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I always, uh, I always enjoy coming here and hanging out with you. And um, it's so easy for us to get off track. Like we were already like offline talking about soccer, and then I was like, oh wait, let's start the show. Like, yeah, I just, uh, I just enjoy hanging out with you and, and talking to you about football and, well, I guess both kinds of football. And uh, yeah, so thank you yeah. for having me. It's always awesome to be here, and uh, I'm excited. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't help myself to ask you about Messi, man. Knowing how how big of a Barcelona fan you are, and yeah. especially with Messi being around. I, I believe people in the U.S. who enjoys the other football, the soccer, right? they they can have a really good time enjoying one of the best ever. I I need to say this, one of the best ever, okay? I, I won't go goat route with Messi, you know, for obvious reasons. But That's fair. I, I understand. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm sure you are excited to be able to enjoy some Messi. Yeah, I am. It's cool being able to see him, uh, the opportunity to see him live here now i'm either going to try and go down to see him in miami or um living in buffalo like i'll see him when he comes up to play toronto um it's still again like we were talking offline it's not gonna be the same as i was gonna go see him in the camp new before covid hit and that kind of went down but it'll still be cool to see him at some point and watch him dominate all these guys without even trying (laughs) (laughs) no doubt no doubt i even saw somebody saying oh that free kick was staged man you can't stage that kind of free kick man the guy at the end of the day still needs to 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 hit the ball in a way that only Messi can, you know. So yeah, uh, and even they, that, they like, all jumped. The goalkeeper tried hard. Yeah. You, you can't stage that, man. It's I that. literally, I was watching that game, and I told my wife, I was like, "He's gonna score right here because it, it's." Yeah. Just, I just feel, and he scored, and I didn't even like celebrate or like get excited, and I was just like, "Of course!" Like it was just picture perfect, and yeah. But even even if you wanted to stage it, even if you said like, "We're gonna give him his favorite spot," we'll let him try to hit it. You still have to make the kick, like, and that's super hard. I don't think people understand how hard it is to score a free kick. Like that's yeah. super hard. And that's something that that uh, Messi won't lose anytime soon, you know, because maybe if he tried to come from before midfield, dribbling everybody, and yeah, he still can do that, but not like when he, in his prime. Mm-hmm. But hitting a free kick, man. The guy will be able to do it until he's 50 years old. Yeah, really? Yeah, you could literally just have sub him on. And once he's like, once he has no legs left, you sub him on in the 75th <laughs> minute and just hope you get a free kick and see if he can bury one. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. But let's talk some Bills football. That's why people are here uh, listening to us. So you've been there in the camp, right? And, and I, I wish I could, man. I really wish. And maybe someday it will happen. I will be able to meet all. You are my Coburn One brothers, my Buffalo Rumbling brothers. 
and it's gonna be a great day but not so far so until that day arrives i really trust your eyes so far to to follow it closely and to give me some insight and how was the experience there and 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 big congratulations for your job so far being able to to have awesome film studies with the players and and to bring that kind of inside info to all the fans it's awesome and also john i'm enjoying a lot and keep it up man keep it up you and eric are killing it and let me know how's it going out there thanks well i appreciate the kind words um yeah it's definitely awesome to be in a spot to sit and talk to these players in in like a real football setting where we're breaking down tape and talking scheme and structure and technique so that's absolutely awesome um and it's going good out here camp was a good time um I, i think what was really interesting right off the bat with camp, you're already starting to see there's like the individual player pieces, right? You want to see like, okay, like how does Dalton Kincaid look or okay. Like what does, what does it look like at corner two? How is Kyrie Elam doing? What's happening at linebacker? You know, what does Leonard Floyd look like? All these pieces. And you have that. But I think for me, the bigger takeaway from each day was what we're starting to see schematically and structurally from the offense and the defense, what we're seeing Ken Dorsey do with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid with the 12 personnel, what we're seeing him do and where he's aligning them in different formations in different places, creating matchup advantages. It's a lot of creativity and a lot of excitement off of that. And then defensively already seeing, you know, more pressure looks, more blitzes, more showing pressure and dropping out more mind games with the offensive line and protection schemes from the defensive side. So it's, it's early on still, you know, we're only in the second week of camp and we have the scrimmage tonight. There's a lot of football left to go in the off season before things kick off for the bills on September 11th against the jets. But we're already starting to see a bunch of those wrinkles and a bunch of those tweaks from you know Ken Dorsey evolving from what he was last year, and then Sean McDermott taking over as defensive coordinator and adding his own you know spin or twist on the Bills defense. So it's exciting to see those pieces already. Awesome, awesome. And I want to talk about competitions. We have some important competitions going on, and you've been able to to follow some practice to check it. Uh, uh, real, real near the action, and and to be able to give a, your own opinion about it. And I believe Bills Mafia have some some favorites in those races, and especially tied to investment and draft state uh, status. And I think it's normal because, okay, for example, Kyrie Elam, we know that he has the the most potential of the group and the best athletic traits, and and maybe uh, if Kyrie Elam pans out, he can if he can place at if he can play at his best, he might be a better pro than Dane Jackson playing at his best, for mm-hmm. example. But it's not how things work. And and even recently, in some in another one leading the charge, I, I remember people like in 2008 we had James Hardy and Stevie Johnson drafting the same draft, and we know who became the best wide receiver of this group. And the same thing with Kyle Williams and John McCargo in the same draft. So sometimes we find gems late in the draft and sometimes early picks don't work out we hope it never happens but it happens right so how's mm-hmm. it going with the competitions we can start talking about the cornerbacks uh and i believe and myself include that i really love that elon had that spot locked up by now but it's not happening for some reason and you've been there following it quickly from 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 near the field why do you think it's happening how Happy can we be with Dan Jackson and Christian Benford still being in the competition? Oh, you know, it, it's 
I think to start with it, you, you nailed it. Like it's the whole conversation with the fans starts because of the investment piece, right? Because Kyrie was a first round pick and you feel like, well, he should be the guy. He should win the job. It's the same thing with soccer, right? If you bring mm-hmm. someone in on like a hundred million dollar transfer, you're like, well, that guy better be starting. And if he's not producing, you, you're going to be pissed because that investment. And even, even if yeah. someone else is producing, you still wasted all that money. There's that wasted kind of investment. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, the thought was, you know, Kyrie should have been playing all of last year. That wasn't my opinion in my estimation. I thought he was making some mental mistakes in games. And if that was happening in games, I was imagining that that was happening in practice. And if that's happening in practice, you can't put a guy out there necessarily. Um, And I I think for as much as what this competition is now, and I think it's a legitimate competition. Like I think for me, I think Dane Jackson is out in front a little bit, but I think realistically on day one, you know, against the jets opening week, week one, it could be any one of these three guys. I think it's a legitimate battle for that cornerback two spot, which is, again, probably disappointing to most of the fan base. And for for Kyir, I really don't think it's – he hasn't had a bad camp. I think it's just that Benford and Dane Jackson are doing well. Mm-hmm. Like, they're performing well. They're they're having good days. They're making plays on the ball. And and for, for as much maligned as Dane Jackson has been, I know everybody roasted him for always being in good coverage and good spots last year but not getting his hands on the ball – the dude was tied for 11th in pass breakups in the league and had some of the best, like it was, he was in the top third for a lot of advanced metrics um, and significantly ahead of Kyir and Christian Benford in a lot of ways. So he had a better year than I think he gets credit for. And when in, in talking with Dean Marlowe this, this week um, in the cover one film room, he said something in regards to the safeties, but it applies to the corners. He mm-hmm. said that Sean McDermott, the biggest thing for him in this defense for the defensive backs is knowing that they know what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to go. So you could be the most, the, the, the fastest, the biggest, the strongest. And, and, and that's what you have with Kyrie versus Dane, right? Kyrie is bigger. He's faster. He's longer. He's stronger. He's more physical. He's got all the intangibles physically, right? But that doesn't matter to Sean McDermott as much as what you have in between the ears and knowing that you know your assignment, you know what to do, and you're able to execute and that's the advantage that Dane Jackson has for as unimpressive physically and athletically as he is. He's usually a dude that's in the right spot most of the time. Like he knows what he's doing. And w- what's also important within that, his teammates know that he knows what he's doing. His teammates know that, okay, if I, if I expect him to be over there, he's going to be over there. And that's a huge thing. Instead of looking over and seeing somebody else and you're like, uh oh, he was supposed to be over there and now he's not. And now we have to shift and we have to figure things out differently. And to your point, again, I think Kyrie, it would be ideal. He was a first-round pick, and his ceiling is still really high. He allows the defense to do so much because of all the God-given ability that he has physically. And I would love it if he was the guy. But whether it's because of him, whether it's because of Dane and Benford playing well, it just seems like he can't separate from that pack. And John Butler, the Bills DB's coach uh, earlier this week, basically said as much. Like, they have a plan every day of who's going to get reps with the ones, who gets reps with the twos, what they're going to do in the preseason. He even went so far as to say is like once a player has that position, they still have to earn it and keep it in the regular season. He also even mentioned a platoon. So I I don't think we're going to get too much clarity going forward. We're really going to have to see the preseason play out. But for those those people who really want Kyrie to be the guy and to lock it down sooner rather than later, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's fair to, to imagine that if the Bills were a defense that 
played man, uh, man coverage most of the time, at this point, Kyrie would be maybe locked in the cornerback job because when it's about to, to facing up a guy and press that, that guy line of the scrimmage, run with the fastest wide receivers out there, Kyrie obviously is ahead of Dane in this situation, but we're yep. talking about the defense that plays zone mostly. And just like you said, McDermott want to be a little bit more aggressive. A little, uh, he want to uh, show one thing and do another thing. So he needs the guys to be able to, to be aware of what are we doing. Are we really just showing pressure or are we doing that? And uh, am I sticking to this coverage or am I changing after the ball is snapped? So this kind of stuff, the mental part, I think it's really fair to say that Dane Jackson is way ahead maybe of 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 Elon at this point and it's a kind of expected since he's the the most veteran guy of the group and maybe it's fair do you think it's fair to say that Christian Benford is kind of in between both because that's a huge guy he's physical he maybe isn't as fast as Elon but he can tackle with his shoulder and and it seems like in this mental part and even being more comfortable in zone it seems that Benford is a little bit ahead of the career too yeah it's it's interesting with him. Like I, and, and I've said this a bunch, like I had no expectations for him last mm-hmm. year coming into mm-hmm. camp. I, there wasn't a ton of film on him. You know, he went to yeah. Nova and the one game I did have. My last, little, sorry, my last yeah. little chart, I told uh, the guy who was me, Rafael, uh, shout out to Rafael, was saying, oh, Kai, uh, Benford came from a, new, a university that don't play a lot of men covered. I was like, no, he came from an university that plays basketball. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're basketball school. Like, yeah, yeah. Villanova, that's a really good one. Villanova is not really like a football school. Yeah. And the one game that I had tape on him for was against Penn State. And the first play, Jahan Dotson, first round pick uh, for Washington, burns him, turns him inside out. And I was just like, oh. And I saw the stats and he had production. But I only had that one game. I didn't really think too much of him. And then every day in camp, he was just impressive, impressive, impressive. I thought he was impressive in the in the preseason. He's this weird dark horse candidate. I really like Christian Benford. He even had games, even against Minnesota, he's going up against Justin Jefferson. And Jefferson gets him. But he learns. Like the routes that he gets beat on in the first quarter, they go to those routes again in the third and Benford plays it differently. Right from the jump, he gets in the hip pocket of Jefferson. He rides him. He gives him no space. Like, And seeing that is extremely impressive from a guy, to your point, like he's not playing high-level, high-caliber talent at, at, with the schedule that Villanova has. Also, no disrespect, I know college ball is college ball. He's probably not getting the best level of coaching necessarily that a lot of these other guys are at like Florida or LSU or the bigger name schools, right? So he's learning how to play this spot really and developing on the fly in the NFL. And I thought he had a good rookie season despite being banged up. Yeah, he, he's a weird dark horse candidate, like a little bigger, much more physical, doesn't necessarily have the speed that Elam has, but he's he's almost like violently physical. Like he plays a meaner type of brand. I know Kyrie is good in press, but Benford is just a different level of physicality. And, and it's interesting. And again, John Butler said as much like, cause all three guys have different skill sets. They play the game differently. And if you're going to have one of them in there, that means what you're going to do defensively will change your coverage structures and what you play will change a little bit, which I think again, muddies the waters even more because then it becomes like, okay, well, if you want to play this coverage, should so-and-so be in there? But then if you do that, then you're kind of tipping your hand to the offense and it can become a little muddy. But 
Benford, I think, definitely has a shot. He 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 plays well, and yeah, I think to your point, he's kind of that in between guy who keeps taking reps from both Dane and Kyir, and just you know affecting the overall picture. Awesome. Let's have quick five seconds for our sponsors. So, uh, os irmãos Sapequinhas. That's some Portuguese for you. And I was never going to be able to pronounce that name. I would never. <laughs> I had no shot. The brothers, the, the, I don't know, how can I say sapequinhas in English, man? That's crazy. But they are like the, 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 the little brothers who like to play, you know? Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, they are talking about Kair and his good one-on-one reps. Recently, a lot has been reported about Kair being able to lock down digs. And, and that's been just for one or another, um, rep right since this has been killing it but there has been some nice nice reps by Kair and people are asking about it what can you tell us yeah well I, th I think when you get those one-on-one reps especially like in individual drills Marcel is the dad of the little brothers okay oh, well done well done <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it together now um and I, I think with with Kair he does well you mentioned it right like the man coverage piece at Florida what he's comfortable with what what he's been accustomed to at Florida. So he gets to do a lot of that in these individual drills where you're just like, it's one-on-one -on -one. it's you against Gabe Davis or Deontay Hardy or Stefan Diggs or whoever. And so when he gets in those one-on-one -on -one opportunities, that's where he's most comfortable. It's like, he's back at Florida and all he has to do is rely on kind of the previous technique that he's learned and he can rely on his physicality and his size and his athleticism and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, he has had several good one-on-one -on -one reps. I think again, where you see him, not necessarily struggle, but what do you want to see more is once you get into the team situation and you're playing quarters or you're playing cover two and all these pieces like him recognizing what he has, what his responsibility is. And again, it, it's, it's what Dane does and what Kai, what Christian Benford does and how they go against one another. Um, but yeah, Kyer continues to show well in individual drills um, when he gets into those one-on-one -on -one situations. And he did show better down the stretch um, last year as well, in terms of his understanding and comfortability in the zone scheme. Um, but you know, he's still obviously just in, in, involved in this heavy battle for corner two. Yeah, man. And that's something, uh, thinking about player development that people don't, don't think about enough, in my opinion, and it happens in another sports too. We even have some debates here in Brazil about player development in soccer here, because when those young players are playing like in under 21s, under 17s, and the same thing players in college, those coaches aren't really uh, uh, worried about, oh, how good of a pro this guy is going to become? Is, is he going to be well-rounded enough and things mm -hmm. like that? No, they're running their schemes and they want, want to win their game. So they yeah. just want, they just care about the players doing whatever is best for them to win in the games there. So it happens probably more than... than than people realize with quarterbacks, especially in college. And it's, it can be said about quarterbacks too. Uh, Florida run a lot of man-to-man -man coverage. So they weren't really, oh, Kyrie maybe isn't good enough in zone coverage or playing, uh, playing soft coverage, playing away from the line of scrimmage because they really don't need it Yeah, no, they're going to play what, what works best for them. They're going to play what their system and their scheme is. And again, that's where it comes down to in college, right? Like, like you said, like you have certain schools that build – more like pro ready players versus mm. other guys. I mean, Dane Jackson's actually a really good example. The system that Pitt runs with, with their coach, Pat Narduzzi, 
that's a very similar scheme to what the Bills run, which is mm-hmm. why Dane Jackson and DeMar Hamlin, despite the fact that they were later round picks, had an easier time assimilating into that scheme and into that defense. Even um, Terrell Bernard, who you know is involved in another competition, you know, coming in from like a match kind of system at Baylor with Dave Aranda, like that kind of gives him a leg up coming into a system like this versus someone like Dorian Williams coming from Tulane, who just has more of a basic simplistic kind of coverage structure. And again, to your point, like it's, it's what the school plays is what that head coach wants. And for as much as they want those kids to go on and succeed at the next level, like they have a job to do at college. And so what they, what they want to run is what they want to run. And sometimes it helps you get to the NFL and sometimes it, means when you get to the NFL, you have a little more to learn and a little more on your plate. And as we see that with a variety of guys, but it's funny. Yeah. Like Kair, all the tools in the world has to come in and kind of relearn some things or learn new things versus Dane Jackson, not as many tools in his uh, toolbox there, but has so much familiarity with the scheme and the system coming from Pitt, And it makes him, you know, easy, easier to assimilate for him into the league, into the bills. Absolutely. And you talked about, Dorian Williams, let's talk about this competition, middle linebacker spot. Dorian Williams seems out for now. I think the day one idea was to be to be out since being told it, and maybe the way the reaction happened made them change it. No, let's put him in the competition because we don't need to take this hit. Because right every now. everybody was yeah. like, What? Oh my yeah. god. And then they were like, Okay, 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 we'll back up. <laughs> but you know, even the place he was drafted, it, it was very similar to the way. Terrell Bernard was uh, was treated like an, uh, a season ago. So he's in the very same spot. And probably if nobody can really do a nice job at the middle linebacker spot this season, Dorian Williams should get his shot next year, maybe, or maybe, maybe even at the end of the year. But I, I will shoot for for the next season. Just like Bernard is having an option to uh, opportunity to compete right now. And Braylon Spector had some some opportunities but it seems he's not rotating anymore it's more like between Dodson and Bernard and I've seen a lot of people now being siding with Dodson and that's crazy to me Anthony because you know I'm the president of Terrell Bernard fan club you know and man it seems every time it's anybody but Bernard and, and it's pretty clear to me that Bernard was the now Dorian too as a plan B, but Bernard was the first one that they identified like, okay, that's our project. Maybe if Edmunds go goes away, we can have this guy prepared to be a matchup linebacker alongside Milano to be an interchangeable piece. Mm-hmm. And all the time people are, oh, he's too small. He looks like a safety. Yeah, he, he really does. He really does like, like a, look like a safety. But we're talking about a guy who can really cover and who can really move and... and and athletically speaking, a guy who can in, be an interchangeable piece with Milano, the leadership traits, it seems they are there accordingly to his, his, uh, his coaching report. And, and so I, I, I say I'm a big fan, but I'm actually uh, a big guy, a guy who's really hopeful that Bernard can become what they envisioned when they drafted him, right? That's why I, I root for him like I root for Elon, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you were there, man. How's it going? Because I don't hear a lot about Bernard, but I hear stuff like this, for example. Not scored a touchdown. Bernard was in coverage, you know? Mm-hmm. Then I hear stuff like this. Uh, Spencer Brown struggled in pass protection. He allowed Bernard to, to sack the quarterback. So I see Bernard making plays, but not like, oh, Bernard made a play. No, the other guy sucked, you know, and Bernard got something, you know? 
Yeah. Oh, the quarterback was inaccurate. Bernard intercepted the pass. You know, kind of stuff like that. But he's making some plays. So how's it going, man? I get that Dodson maybe is in Dane's spot, being more experienced, more comfortable maybe. But I'm really excited and anxious to see Bernard in the preseason games and even today in the scrimmage. What do you think about this competition so far? I'm anxious about it, uh, to go off that word you just used. And it's there's no clear answer, right? And I think we kind of start from the bottom. Like Dorian Williams, to your point, I don't think this was a 2023 move. I think this was like a 2024 and beyond Mm -hmm. um, type of move. And what is nice to see, um, he's out there early before practice starts each day getting work with Bobby Babich and trying to work on that match coverage piece. He's out there working on – you know, passing off and collecting from the route distribution and, and adjusting the things again from a different from a different kind of coverage game and structure and scheme that he operated with at Tulane. So it's good to see him putting that work in, but he's still not at a point where you're going to give him starting reps in the NFL. Like he's not there. His preseason will be fun to watch, but we'll see what happens from there. Um, Specter, yeah, was involved early on, but it seems like he's kind of faded a bit. He does have some vulnerabilities in coverage, similar to kind of Terrell Dodson, although I think Spectre might be a better athlete. Bernard, for me, he's he's who I would like to start purely because I, I think he's kind of the least of all evils, if that makes sense. Like, there's no aspect in his game. He, he's got a lot of unsexiness to his game, but there's not really an area where he's deficient or he's a vulnerability, or he's a liability. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, if you take all like the the, the skill set pieces and qualifications of a linebacker, on everything, he's probably like a 6.5 to like a 7.5 on everything. You know, maybe a couple pieces where he's like an 8.5 or a 9, but everything is like, oh, okay, 6.5 mm-hmm. to 7.5. The other linebackers in the competition, even Terrell Dodson, you have some areas where they're like, oh, they're an 8. Oh, they're an 8.5. And, and then there's other areas where like, mm, they're a 3. Oh, there are two. Oh, and so there's that, there's that bigger, larger variance in that game, in their game. And I think Dodson's had a, a a better camp than necessarily anticipated, but I still think at this point he is who he is, and his ability and coverage can make you vulnerable at times. There can there is some deficiency in his game in that regard, which makes me think if he wins the job, I would anticipate more Taylor Rapp being involved in this defense as a dime linebacker and Dodson coming out on passing downs, which can be okay. The problem with that is then you start to get into a situation where the defense or where the offense can play you against yourself. And they know like, okay, they don't want Dodson in coverage. Okay. We're in this situation. Rap's going to come in when you have to platoon, you can get a little bit predictable. There's some tendency giveaway. So I, I don't really love that, but I understand if they have to, whereas Bernard, I think he can do a little bit of everything. I love his blitzing ability. When he that's my favorite aspect of his. When he blitzes, he comes forward like a heat-seeking missile and he's either going to get through the gap and get to the quarterback or he is going to destroy a lineman or a running back or whoever blocks him. Like either way it's going to be a win for him. And in this newer or, or tweaked Sean McDermott defense where there is more pressure and there is more aggressiveness, I think that could work for Bernard. Add in what he is between the ears. I remember Leslie Frazier talking about him last year, um, saying that he's like a he's like a chalkboard to grass kind of guy, meaning like you show him one thing on the board and he goes out to practice and immediately applies it. Mm-hmm. And I think again, with what he can do in coverage, what he can do against the run, he's kind of the least of all evils and the best mix of everything. 
he is on the smaller side to your point. And ironically talking about Taylor Rapp, like if you look fast and you don't look at the numbers, you'd confuse Taylor Rapp and Terrell Bernard. Like granted, Rapp's a little bit of a bigger safety, but that still means Bernard is a smaller guy. Um, And so Dodson has more of the size and he's more of that thumper. But again, I think every Bills fan knows whether you want to show the Cleveland Browns game or um, I think maybe the Detroit game or Minnesota, everything like blends together for me. Like you see like, the vulnerability with him in coverage and some of the deficiencies. And you've even seen that in camp, like him dropping and Allen just being able to take advantage of the middle of the field when Dodson's out there. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, to RJ's point there. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, oh, what's up, RJ? RJ is a regular viewer of the film room and disguise yeah, coverage. Awesome guy. Awesome yeah, guy. Both, awesome. Sure um, in both of my shows. And he commented something similarly um, on disguise coverage when I was talking about the linebacker spot. So, yeah, he's gotten better. Um, but And I don't want to – I don't want to like move the goalpost, but it's like, well, yeah, because if you're a one on a scale of one to 10, there's really nowhere to go, but up. So like, yeah, I would hope like he's gotten better, but it's still not in a spot where you necessarily want. I think Bernard is much better in coverage and no matter who wins the job, it's a big step down from what Tremaine Edmonds was and what he allowed you to do. So it's a position I'm very anxious about. Um, I'm interested to see what happens tonight at the scrimmage. And then even more so in the preseason, it's something that I'm going to be drilling down on in the games and then the film, because I really want to see what's up. Yeah, man. I, I, hearing McDermott talk about the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker spot, and it, it seems like people don't realize how he wants that guy to be really important in the communication aspect. And and so I, I find it hard to see him being comfortable taking that guy away all the time, you know, like, oh, clear passing down. Let me type, take my Mike linebacker away. But exactly. come on, I want this guy to be the main communicator of this defense. So He's probably comfortable keeping both linebackers uh, players all the time on the field like we are used to see. And for some reason, they don't want want to make Matt Milano this guy because uh, thinking about it, maybe if they made Milano this guy, they it would be easier to simply change the pieces, put wrapping clear passing downs, and you still have Milano all the time on the field as the main mm-hmm. communicator. But it seems for some reason they, they want the Mike to be this guy, the green dot guy. And so... Uh, it really seems that if Bernard is the guy he was expected to be in the mental part of the game, especially, he's probably winning this job. That's my guess, you know. Uh, I, I think it's his job to lose. He only mm-hmm. will lose this job if he's really not at the level that they expected him to be at this point. And, and I think that's a real possibility because they double down on, on Dorian Williams' pick, you know. But my guess is that Bernard still wins the job and, and he will, just like you said in the beginning of the, the, the show, they will need to play and to earn that job week mm-hmm. after week or he will be in danger of losing this job to Darren Williams when he's prepared, another guy who has a lot of traits to, to work with and who can be developed to this position. So that's what I believe is the plan for now and, and maybe if Bernard really struggles then they have Dodson who they are comfortable with, mm-hmm. but they got to live with his limitations. Yeah. And those limitations are again, like significant and it's just a large domino effect in terms of what you can do from a coverage standpoint. And I, I think Bernard allows you to, again, no matter who they play there, their coverage menu isn't going to be as vast as it was when Tremaine Edmonds was there. Right. But if Bernard is there, I think you have to shrink it down a little bit, but if Dodson's there, I think you have to shrink it even further because of what his physical limitations are. But again, the benefit for Dodson is he's been on this team for multiple years. He knows 
how the players work. He knows how the coaches work. He knows where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. Like he knows his assignments. He knows his responsibility. So he's got time on task in the system um, and that comfortability piece. But it, it's just, it's clear. Like when you put on there and you, and you see who's doing what in coverage and how they have to function and how they move and how they drop and how they read and all of these things there, there are limitations to his game. And, you know, maybe they're not enough to prevent him from starting and taking this job, or maybe they're outweighed by what he can do against the run. Or maybe, yeah, to your point, maybe Terrell Bernard doesn't, you know, kind of take the bull by the horns and take that spot. But if you're looking at things holistically and what a player is overall versus the rest of the pack, it seems like Bernard has the least amount of deficiencies or vulnerabilities in his game and is, you know, again, like the least of all evils when you're looking at the total package. Got it. Quick break for the sponsor. Interesting comment by RJ again, thinking maybe Spectre, Babylon, Braylon Spectre. No, that's a, that's a, that's a, I call him Babylon because I think it sounds yeah. really cool. That's my favorite thing. So it's a, that's a me thing. I appreciate you, RJ. Yeah, Babylon Spectre. <laughs> Paired with the Miserables. I don't know, man. I think people want to love Braylon Spectre way too much. Not against the guy. I think he has some athletic ability. And, but I don't know. When I heard about all, oh, Brandon Spector is communicating really well. He's being loud. It reminds me when I still played soccer uh, and and we had a problem, for example, with the center backs. And the coach said, look, the center backs aren't communicating enough with the players and we got to have a center back who communicates more. And then he opened a competition. Every center back who, who got an opportunity wanted to be loud and to talk a lot. And even when he did didn't need to talk he was talking and he wasn't really being uh important with that talk, all the talk but he, but he wanted was communicating. to be heard you know yeah. so it's uh, not saying that obviously that specter did that but sometimes it seemed like this for me you know uh, and and the coaches aren't fooled by this stuff obviously as fans can be so uh i'm curious to see dodson and, and bernard competing today in the in the, um, the scrimmage but changing sides of the ball, we have one competition, one another competition in the guard spot. And it seems that Torrance is, is showing up big time. And, and my bet right now is that he starts day one. How do you see the situation? Yeah. Oh, this, this is a really good one. And I, I honestly, this one is more fun. The, the, the linebacker one makes me anxious and gives me stress. Uh -huh. The uh -huh. corner one. I like all three corners. That gives me yeah. a little less stress and anxiety. The guard one, I think, is just fun because I like Ryan Bates and I, yeah, and I like Torrance. Love so the guy. Like, yes, it's awesome. So, like, whoever wins, cool. Um, my initial thought on Torrance, I think it was the first thing I tweeted out when I went to camp on Sunday. He He's, he's slimmed down. Like, he's still big. He's still mm -hmm. strong and powerful. But I saw him at the Senior Bowl in February, and I think he was around – at least 330, but I think he was like 335, 337, um, and was just huge. Yeah. Seeing him in camp, he's he's thinned out, he's leaned out, and he looks – and I don't want to say he was in bad shape before, but it just looks like he's re he's rejigged like kind of how his body mass works, which mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool and interesting to know. And then the next thing I thought was, okay, like how does it affect how he plays? But you still see the power. You're still seeing the explosion and the pop and the hands. He had a play where – he down blocked Daquan Jones and just completely washed him out. And that doesn't happen to Daquan Jones. One, because yeah. Daquan Jones is a big, strong man. But two, Daquan really knows how to play with leverage and understand the feel of what linemen are trying to do to him. 
So whether it's because he's big and strong or because he knows the feel and technique, he could usually adjust himself whatever versus whatever an offensive lineman's trying to do to him. And he couldn't with how Torrance got him. And so I think Torrance has shown well. I think Bates has shown well um, also. What's interesting with this, and this is something I've, I've said since Torrance was drafted, Torrance and Bates are two very different kinds of players. Bates, Bates is in the mold of Mitch Morse and Connor McGovern, the rest of the interior linemen, where they're smaller, they're better in space, they're quick, they're fast, they're athletic, guys that are around like 307, 308 pounds. In comes Torrance, who was regularly playing at 330 pounds, and again, he's slimmed down now, but even at his slimmest, I feel like he's probably still like 320-something, which is still significantly heavier. And his play style is more people mover, more of a mauler, more of a downhill vertical displacement. I'm going to grab you and chuck you the hell out of the way type of type of offensive lineman. That's not what Ryan Bates is. And I'm not saying that positively or negatively. That just means your offense, your run scheme and your offensive line design is going to be different based on who's in that right guard spot. And we're seeing it already. Like when Torrance is in there, we're seeing, you know, if the bills run pin and pull, he's the pin. He's the guy who's washing someone down versus when Ryan Bates is in there and they run pin and pull Bates is the guy who's pulling Bates is the guy who's moving and getting out in space with Mitch Morris, because that's, you want that Bates is so athletic, get him out in space, let him work and do those things. So what the biggest thing for me is whoever wins this job, I want to see how that changes the run scheme and also potential pass protection pieces. Cause Torrance gives you the opportunity to be stronger in the middle and give you more anchor ability in order to keep that arc and be able to maintain the depth of the pocket. But you do have to see how he's going to continue to work against guys that are quicker and faster off the line of scrimmage, but he did shed some weight. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, this one, I'm very interested and excited to see what happens tonight and also what happens in the preseason. And I really don't think, I don't think there's like a losing side. Like I'm not going to be disappointed if Bates gets it. I'm not going to be disappointed if Torrance gets it. I'm really just excited to see who wins it and how that potentially leads to some scheme changes because they are different types of players with different skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree. And and I think it's fair to to keep saying that Spencer Ball, Spencer Brown continues to be the biggest question mark in this offensive line, even though he he he. It seems that he would he really was really healthy until yesterday when he had his first problem, right? But yeah. uh, what's going on out there with uh, is Spencer Brown playing good enough in the camp? How's the, the second team right tackle uh, competition going? Because we know there there is Snell, there is Kissenberry, and, and how how are you feeling about this situation? And, and, and how anxious are you to check it out today in the scrimmage? I'm super anxious and not in a good way, and I hate it. Um, that's how yeah. I feel about the right tackle spot. Um, even just from a backup standpoint, Questenberry's get, been getting a lot of work with the left tackles, um, like a second-team left tackle, and then Shell has been getting the work as the second-team right tackle. Shell, you know, he's played for Miami last year. He did not have a good year last year. You could look at the advanced metrics. You could look at the tape. Like, he's in a similar boat to Spencer Brown. So I don't have a ton of hope for him coming in. We'll see. Spencer Brown, though, it's funny. The So I was watching Individual um, this past Sunday, and they were just doing pass pro. So offensive line versus defensive line. You go one by one. Everybody's rushing the quarterback and see what you can do. And Spencer Brown's – it was the perfect representation of what Spencer Brown is. The first rep, he goes against Greg Rousseau. Rousseau tries to beat him around the arc. Brown takes his angle, 
establishes first touch, gets a great punch right in the center of his chest. He controls Rousseau the whole way. You see the athleticism. He stays in between Rousseau and the quarterback the whole way. 100% dominating win and rep for Spencer Brown. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Literally the next rep, he goes against Boogie Basham, and Basham burns him around the arc, <laughs> and Spencer Brown doesn't even get a hand on him. And I'm just like, God. And that that was my biggest thing, right? Like the yeah. health. I know the health played a huge role last year. And it impacted his practice time and his chemistry with the rest of the offensive line. But he's just been this very roller coastery, mercurial player. And I think that still exists. I think he's still the guy who, especially in pass protection, run blocking, I don't really have too many questions. You see the physicality, the, the technicality, you see the athleticism. He's phenomenal against the run. I love it. Pass protection, I still think, is a huge question mark. And I still think he's the guy where on one rep, you're going to see him and be like, oh my God, this is the right tackle of the future. And then the next rep, you're going to be like, oh my God, we need to get him off the field because he's a liability. Mm. And it's, again, what's concerning is when he gets beat, he gets beat immediately. It's not like, well, he lost the rep, but it took like three seconds. No, he gets beat in like the blink of an eye in an instant, whether it's outside or inside the way he gets set up. And if he got banged up again now, you know, based on the reports from yesterday, that just muddies things even more for his health. Obviously, any player is going to play worse when they're hurt versus if they're healthy. And then if he can't play, the rest of the options at tackle are not great. It was my biggest question mark coming into this season just because I thought Spencer Brown has all the tools in the world and he has a high ceiling, but I thought he was a huge question mark because of how much of a roller coaster he's been. Even when healthy, he's been a roller coaster. And I thought it was a lot to expect a jump from him going into year three in order to stabilize that position. And so I'm very worried to continue to see that roller coaster play within him and then him being banged up again. And it really makes me wish they had addressed right tackle in a more serious way, either in the draft or free agency, like I had been pounding the table for them too. Absolutely. Uh, and I know you don't have much time left and, and I don't want to mess up with this schedule. You've got to be in the stadium today watching that scrimmage so we can have your amazing updates via Twitter. But let me know to close it out. Um, uh, what really popped out for you watching this training camp? Something that really popped popped out, or maybe top three that popped out for you in the uh, watching those practices. And what are you really go, uh, looking forward to watching in tonight's scrimmage? What what's something that you really are going to that that scrimmage and like well, that's the first thing I want to watch. That's the thing that I will pay most attention during this scrimmage. Oh, good question. Um, so the, the, we'll start with the things that popped out for me. Um, like I mentioned initially earlier in the episode, the schematic pieces on defense yeah. and offense, what Dorsey was doing and what McDermott were doing, those were really popping. Um, oh. From an individual player standpoint, Taron Johnson has been locked down all camp except for a couple reps when he got burned by Stephon Diggs. Taron Johnson has really impressed me. And then Stephon Diggs, I said it on Twitter, I he just – He's so laser focused and locked in every single rep, whether it's individual, whether it's team, he's cooking everybody. He just seems so focused, so determined, even more than he already is. Like we know how much of a competitor he is on a scale of one to 10. He was already at like a 10. He found a way to come into camp and be at like a 15. Like he's just everything he's going for it every single rep. And it's impressive to see. And he's winning every like almost every rep in it and when he wins it's just dominant it's beautiful um and staying on that side of the ball Dalton Kincaid um I know it was a question earlier uh in the chat you know was the yeah. hype of Dalton Kincaid is it real um I think it absolutely is real I I was excited for him coming into this team in terms of what he could do 
schematically, right? Like 12 personnel, I love 12 personnel. I think it's the ultimate weapon and dictation tool formationally to kind of get a defense off balance. But you still have to have the horses to be able to run it. And I thought Kincaid could assimilate well, but he's just transitioning beautifully. Like he's winning rep after rep against a variety of players, whether it's a corner, whether it's a safety, whether it's a linebacker and his feel for space, his feel for route running nuance and understanding, okay, this guy's on my back hip. Let me give a quick little shoulder nudge on the outside and then break down and and cross inside. And now I've created like five yards of separation in an instant. He continues to get himself open. He's got tremendous hands. I, I don't know if it's official or not, but I, I keep hearing it stated like he's never, he hasn't dropped a ball all camp, which mm-hmm. from what I've seen, I think that's actually accurate. And then the athleticism and the catch radius too. Like there's been a couple throws from Allen where Allen's found him and Kincaid's really had to stretch and extend and reach and bring the ball in, but he does. And not only do, not only does he catch it, it doesn't affect his stride at all. He just gets it and tucks it and keeps on going. Like he's just so fluid. The the way I describe it, he's a, he's fluidly technical. Like he's got fluid technicality. He's just route running nuance. He's got good feet. He understands leverage. He understands spacing. And then he's got the athletic component to go along with it. And I know it's tough for rookie tight ends to assimilate into the NFL and be productive right off the jump. Um, and I know it's tough for rookies in general to be really productive coming off. And I, I don't know what it means for his numbers. Um, cause I think he'll be used more situationally, but man, he is the real deal, um, to answer that question. And yeah, he's, he's arguably my biggest takeaway of camp from an individual perspective. I just did not think that he would be this comfortable in the NFL this early. And again, we'll see what happens when the pads start popping. He's one that I'm excited to watch tonight too. Like I know pads have been on the last couple of days, but the scrimmage is really, Everybody dials it up a little bit more. You're not seeing the true physicality and effort you might see in a game, but everybody's going a little bit harder. Everybody knows what's up. They know they're in the stadium. You're juiced up a little bit more. You want to see what's up um, in terms of what you can do and how you can go. So I want to see what Kincaid looks like in the scrimmage. Um, I want to see what the corner two competition looks like in the scrimmage. I want to see what coverages they're running on the back end when each corner is in the game and then how those corners are functioning within the scheme and then individually. I want to see the linebacker rotation, who's coming out with the ones, how many snaps is each player getting with the ones, and then how are they functioning in coverage? How are they functioning in the run? Um, Staying on the defensive line, I want to see the edge rotation. AJ Epinesa has been getting a lot of work with the ones, but Leonard Floyd has been doing really good. I think it's more just letting him kind of get into a rhythm. Floyd has really stepped it up the past several days with his pass rush, so I want to start to see what that edge rotation looks like. Is Epinesa coming out with the ones? Is it Floyd? How much rotation are they getting? How are they being used? So that's a huge piece for me as well. Um, The offensive line piece, we already talked about Torrance and Bates. I really want to see that. And then I want to see how healthy Spencer Brown is, how he does, how Shell does, how Questenberry does, just in case he has to kick over to that right tackle spot because I'm very nervous. Um, Even the left guard spot. Connor McGovern has been okay, but he's been a little disappointing compared to what I thought he'd be. David Edwards has gotten some work with the one. So I'm interested to see what Edwards could be somebody who has a lot of familiarity with Aaron Cromer with his time in LA and who has been a good guard when he started and been healthy. So I'm interested to see that Um, wide receiver three. I have a lot of things to watch for. So I'm sorry, this list is so long wide receiver, wide receiver three. um, Trent Sherfield has looked really good. Deontay Hardy has looked really good. Khalil Shakir has looked really good, who I think is the guy who's kind of like the forgotten piece in all this, like Hardy and Sherfield came in, they drafted Kincaid, 
And I feel like Shakir kind of got put on the back burner, but he had a couple of really good plays last year um, mm-hmm. with a limited sample size. He had a great uh, scrimmage last year. I'm interested to see what he does. And again, how do the reps shake out? Shakir's been getting time with the ones. Sherfield's been getting time with the ones. Hardy's been getting a little less, but when he's in there, they're running manufactured reps and snaps where he's designed to get the ball. So trying to see how that position shakes out um, is a huge one for me. I think that that's one of the competitions that, again, is more like in the fun conversation because yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. all three of these guys are cool. Like, let's see who wins the job. Um, mm-hmm. Interested to see that piece as well. Um, so those are the big ones on my mind. And then, yeah, from a structural piece and schematic piece, what kind of formations are we seeing offensively and defensively? What kind of plays? Um, so on and so forth. And even maybe the safety position as well. I want to see how Taylor Rapp is used. Um, is he just a backup safety? Are they putting him in as a dime linebacker? Is he getting any big nickel reps um, where Taron Johnson gets subbed out and Rapp goes in? Um, so seeing all of those pieces, there's a lot to look forward to. I'm very excited. I will be tweeting my ass off um, from the stadium. Uh, as much as I can trying to keep everything. I'm very pumped and very excited because there's a lot to watch. This is a good football team with a lot of depth and there's a lot of uncertainty from a, from a good standpoint. Like there's a lot of, Oh man, we have too many good options. Who's going to win the job. And that makes it, that makes it for a real exciting time. Awesome, man. Thank you so, so much for taking your time to be with us. J-Dub put it all there. Like, yeah, it's, total 100% success when Anthony is out there in the leading the charge. So I really appreciate you taking your, your time being with us. And I will be, you'll be tweeting. I will be out there following it closely and liking every Twitter because I really appreciate your job, your work. And, and just like I said, you've been my eyes out there. So I really, you are some guys who I really trust and love to follow your job. And I'm sure Bill's Mafia appreciates your job, man. So have a great scrimmage tonight and I will be out there following your tweets, man, for sure. I appreciate it. And thank you uh, again. Thank you for the kind words. Like, it's awesome to hear how much you trust my analysis and my eye for things. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me as always. You got me anytime. I have a blast every time. Um, the, 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 the biggest challenge whenever I come on the show is how sidetracked we're going to get with like <laughs> soccer and not talking about Absolutely. Football. So I always have a blast with whatever we're talking about. Uh, you're a good dude. I appreciate your eye for football and for sports in general. So thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the hell out of you. And uh, I'll see you around. See you, man. Thank you so much. Later. So, guys, quick break for the sponsor. That's it, guy. Anthony Prohaska with us. Great guy. And I'm sure he's going to be tweeting some uh, important information. And it's a must follow at Twitter. Anthony is a must follow. But if you aren't following him, follow at Fernando Shimuda. will be retweeting everything, every information about the scrimmage tonight. And yeah, J-Dub's still here with All White. Now you have one more like than viewers. It happens sometimes because some people in Brazil can't understand in English. They only uh, follow the Portuguese version of leading the charge, J-Dub. But I appreciate all of you that have been there uh, listening to me. And please hit that like button, subscribe to Buffalo Rumbling's channel. Uh, subscribe also to my own Fernando Shimuji channel. And I really appreciate all of my viewers and everybody, every member of Bills Mafia who's been out there following the leading the charge and supporting uh, the leading the charge. RJ uh, sent Kincaid's upper half and lower half are almost independent from one another. <laughs> so he can catch a ball three feet above his head, but somehow, somehow not break stride. Yeah, that's a huge uh ability to be able to adjust to some uh imperfect throws but 
keep the, the stride, keep the speed, keep the fluidity uh, on those routes and on those receptions, not lose time so you can uh, keep that separation from linebackers, safeties, and people who are covering him. So awesome to have Kincaid out there, and I hope it can translate to... Uh, the first question was, will it translate to practices in pads? It did. And now the scrimmage and real game situations during preseason, I really believe uh, Kincaid has a big shot at breaking some records as a rookie tight end in this offense with Josh Allen trusting him. The chemistry is working early. And and if, if he really can take over that slot position and be on the field most of the time, the numbers are very achievable. So Kincaid can break some rookie tight end records. And that's something to keep an eye on during this season. Uh, and still, RJ Anthony is one of the smartest football minds out there to cover the Bills. Definitely must follow. No doubt, RJ. Not one of the smartest guys out there, but also... A huge, huge, uh, a huge guy. The character, the person. That guy is awesome. Anytime I, I ask him to to be out there in the leading the charge, he's always real quick to to share. I can't wait to be there. So I really appreciate Anthony, uh, also Eric Turner and and Greg Thompson, Eric Quinn, all those cover one boys. They are awesome, and and we are a great partnership also. So, guys, about Stefan Diggs, uh, I've been pretty critical on all drama created, kind of created by Stefan Diggs during the offseason. And it's awesome to hear from Anthony that Diggs has been killing it, has elevated his game to a whole nother level. Even when you don't believe he can elevate that game to another level, he still does. Uh, it's awesome to hear it from 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 not just from Anthony, but from everybody who's been out there covering the Bills. Because, just like I said, people asked me, like, Fernando, uh, Diggs isn't practicing. Diggs was the guy who cared the most when they lost or or at least showed showed uh, his emotions the most. And when they are back in practice, he isn't the first one out there. I'd like to that he would have been the first one out there. And he wasn't so... Can't it become a problem with the other players? Man, as long as he's able to come back when it's mandatory and be that dominant, he won't have any problems, obviously, because you can't question a guy who, when he comes, when he shows up to practice, to games, and he's really him. He's he has uh, uh, He's having, so far, a training camp that he's saying out loud, I'm him with every practice, with every rep with the way he's beating his competition and making plays. So uh, as long as he can continue to play at this level, as long as he can continue to show up and be in a, in a great shape and be a dominant player, he will continue to be a team captain. He will continue to be a leader of the team. Because even if he can be kind of a diva sometimes and and, and have this, this, this kind of behavior, calling out people or doing some stuff that isn't ideal for your, your team captain, if he can show up and be that dominant, man, nobody will be able to to, to question him. Now, the day, uh, everybody knows that Father Time is undefeated, and one day he will still believe that he'll be able to do so, and he won't. That day, when this day arrives, he'll have some trouble in the locker room for sure. People will call him out. But until that day arrives... He's in 
he's good. He's in a in a good situation, and nobody will be able to 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 be concerned or to question uh, Stefan Diggs' antics. That's it, Bills Mafia. I hope you have enjoyed this this preview of the the return of Blue and Red tonight uh, at the Highmark Stadium. Bills scrimmage. A lot of stuff to to look on, just like Anthony said. I'm particularly interested in the competition in the middle linebacker spot. I want to see Terrell Bernard separate himself from, from Dodson in this scrimmage. And again, I root for it. And if, he, if Bernard can't beat Dodson, then that pick would be considered uh, a failure. Uh, and Bernard might be able to be considered a bust. And, and then the focus will turn to Dorian Williams being prepared for the future. And will Tyrell Dodson be able to hold down that middle linebacker spot with some of his uh, issues in coverage? People uh, that being there has talked about how Dodson has improved in coverage, but is it enough? We'll look at it in the scrimmage tonight again. But I really hope that Bernard can show up, make some plays, and and, and separate himself, take the lead in the middle linebacker spot. That's my expectation. I also hope that Kyle can have a great scrimmage because, yes, I, I love Dan Jackson, but I think he's limited. And, okay, last year, some of the plays that were made over Dan Jackson, he was in position, he was real near, real close of making a play, but he couldn't. I hope he can this year maybe take this next step and, and make those plays. But I have no doubts that Kyle can really uh offer a next step a next gear uh in this cornerback two spot so i hope he can show up big time and play really well in this scrimmage and maybe also take over that cornerback two spot just because i really believe his potential uh, is is really higher than danes jackson and, and kyrian is a guy who can become not just cornerback two for the bills but maybe cornerback one b one a even in time uh, alongside for davis white and and obviously, Kincaid and, and the pass catchers. This is something that I will keep an eye on. Uh, I really, I'm really intrigued by those guys at the number three wide receiver spot. But if Kincaid can really dominate, man, I think this position won't be or won't have the uh, a huge impact. Those guys will fight for rotation spots because the main guys out there will be Diggs, Davis, Kincaid, Knox and are running backs uh, most of the time. So most importantly, I believe it's a kinky really uh, being able to, to play well and that the guys can be healthy and have a healthy scrimmage, play physically, but keep healthy. Those are my main expectations for tonight's scrimmage. And it's been a pleasure being with you today, Bills Mafia. I will be back on Sunday with my leading the charge in Portuguese live at 7 p.m. East. And, and right after, I record the, the quick podcast uh, in English to post in your favorite uh, podcast spot in Spotify and, and other, other places you can find the podcast, the Living the Chart podcast on Sunday nights too. Thank you so much for taking time, for being with me all along this hour. I, I'm sure you enjoyed having... I hope you've enjoyed having uh, Anthony Prohaska with us as much as I did. It was awesome. Appreciate you taking your time. Thank you, RJ, for the 
for the great show comment and shout out to everybody who's been here with us. See you on Sunday. Have a great day. Have a great scrimmage, Bill Mafia. And we talk again on Sunday. That's it. See you around. Go, Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.